Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Today we're in our final week of the series, and we're going to be talking about burnout. Now, we're going to be talking about what burnout is, what we can do to avoid it, and what we can do if we find ourselves in the middle of a burnout season. Did you know that God has designed a fuel for us to run on that actually avoids burnout. Uh, This renewable fuel that God has designed for us is three things. The first thing it is, is it's preventative. This means that we can use it and avoid burnout situations by using it. The second thing it is, is it's reactive. That means that if I'm in a burnout season, I can use this fuel and it will help me through that season. And the third thing that it is, is it's designed for us. This means that we run most efficient when we are actually using this fuel. But before we talk about what this fuel is that God has designed for us, I want to talk a little bit about burnout. What is burnout? Well, the simplest definition that I could find for burnout is this. It's a state in which things have become unmanageable. Now, studies are showing us that the world is feeling a little bit burnt out in 2002. We did a social media post this week, and those at One Church TO, we asked you, do you feel burnt out? 93% of you said that, yes, I am feeling burnt out. Studies are also showing us that 41% of educators have considered walking away from teaching over the last two years. 73% of Ontario doctors have reported being burnt out. 75% of RCMP officers are struggling amidst this pandemic. And nearly 100,000 working age Canadian women have completely left the workforce since the pandemic started. They're calling these statistics the great resignation. And basically people are leaving behind the lives that they once loved because it's directly tied to the burnout that they're facing. It's been a hard few years for a lot of people. And for those of us who are living in the reality of these statistics, it can be hard to know what exactly we can do to get out of it. That's what we're going to be talking about today. How to protect yourself from burnout, but also how to get out of it if you're already in it. Now this Christmas, my son had on his Christmas wish list. Uh, My son's name is Max, he's five years old, and he wanted a remote control car. And so at Christmas, at his grandparents, he opened up a remote control car, and he was so excited about it. This remote control car was exactly what he wanted, and so he ripped open those, that packaging, and I don't know what it is about kids' toys packaging, but I'd suggest it's a bit excessive if it takes multiple adults with scissors and exacto knives to open up the package, but we got it opened. He ripped open that package, he got his car, and he was so excited, and guess what? He went to go use it, and it didn't work. It wasn't charged up. You see, Max's remote control car came with a plug and we said, oh, no worry, buddy. We're just gonna plug it in for you. We showed him how to plug it in. And then what we did was we said, we're gonna plug it in. We'll stick it into the wall. We'll leave it there. 
and a little bit, but you'll be able to use your remote control car. Well, it wasn't more than five minutes that had passed before we heard Max trying to use his remote control car. And he used it for, I think, like a minute, and the thing died. And so he ran back to the charging station, plugged it back in. Five minutes later, tried to use it. And all that day, back and forth to the plugging station over and over and over. And it was frustrating for him because there was never enough power to power his toy. Well, that night we plugged it in for him and we said, you'll be able to use it tomorrow, buddy, no problem. And that next day he realized that his car runs better when it's been plugged into its source and been fully charged. And the same is true with you and me. We work best when we have been fully charged with the fuel that we are designed to run on. Because there's a difference between the energy that you and I can generate on our own and the energy that can only come when we're connected to a power source, like Max's car was connected to his power source. You see, you and I require an outside source for long-term sustainability. And our power source is God himself. You see, the key to avoiding burnout is to routinely connect to the source of life. We run best when we are connected in relationship with our creator. Now, there's probably no better example of someone that's connected to their creator, maybe apart from when Jesus was connected to the Father when he lived here, but there's no better example in the whole Bible, I think, than the David the shepherd. Now, David, he's, let me tell you a little bit about David. Uh, in the Old Testament, the, Israelite who were God, the Israelites who were God's people, they, um, God had chosen them and he was leading them. And one day they started grumbling. They looked at the different countries and they said, hey, we want a king too. And God said, you don't need a king. I, I am your power source. You only need me. I will guide you. But the Israelite people were like, no, God, we need a king. And so God, he gave them a king. He found a guy named Saul. Saul was a good guy. And for a while, Saul was a good king. But eventually, Saul kind of turned to the point that God said, I'm going to find another king. And so God looked over all the Israelites, his people, and he decided on this little shepherd boy named David. And the reason that God chose David to be the next king was because the Bible said that David had a heart that was after God. Now, he didn't become king automatically right then. It took a, a while. And in that season, this is where our story is taking place today. Our story takes place in 1 Samuel 28, and it happens before David actually becomes Israel's second king. In this story, Israel's first king, King Saul, well, he is still in power, and he is hunting down David. He wants to kill David. And so David has been hiding from King Saul, and he's been living in Philistine territory for about 16 months. Now the Philistines, they're God's enemies. You might remember them from a different story. The same army, in fact, that God had defeated when David had taken out Goliath the giant with the sling and some stones. And so here we have David, and at this point, he's married. He has two wives. He has children. He has fighting, man, fighting men that are alongside with him. And those fighting men, they have wives and they have children. And all of these people are hiding out in Philistine land in a town called Ziklag. And this land has been given to them, donated, or rented out to him uh, by the Philistine king who, loves, who likes David. And so here we have them living in this, in this land, in the Philistine land, away from God's people, away from the Israelites. And at this point in the story, the Philistines are getting ready to go to war. 
And so because David and his men are living in Philistine territory, the king comes to David and he asks him to go to war with them and fight against the Israelite people. Now, I can imagine that David feels a little bit stressed in this moment. You see, he knows he's going to be the next king of Israel. He also knows that he can't live with the Israelites right now because King Saul wants to kill him. And now he's expected to go fight against the people that God has said he is going to lead in the future. He's in a really tough spot. He absolutely should not go and fight against God's people. But if he doesn't go, the king might want to kill him. And so it's interesting what David says to him. David says this, he says, very well, and I add in the next part, I'll fight with you against God's people. And then David says, and you will see for yourself what I can do. Whoa, he's a bit sure of himself, isn't he? Maybe a tad bit arrogant, but David, he gathers his fighting men, the Bible says, and they go to travel to the Philistine camp to meet up with that army ready and willing to fight with them. But this is interesting. When they arrive, the Philistines, they look around and they're like, uh, why is David here? Is that David? They start to laugh. They can't even believe that David is there. They're like, is this a joke? Uh, no, David, you can't fight with us. We're not going to take the risk that midway in the battle, you're not just going to turn and attack us. Now, it's interesting what happens here because the king stands up for David and he says, guys, don't worry. I trust David with my whole life. We have nothing to fear about David. You don't need to be threatened by him at all. In fact, we can trust him because David was willing to defect from his one true God by choosing to live amongst us. Now, these are some pretty harsh words. David should feel a little bit, ugh, hearing these words. Have you ever been there? It's almost as if a friend or a relative or a neighbor, they check out your social media feed. Maybe they hear you say something. Maybe they say, oh, you can't possibly be a Christian. You can't possibly be a follower of Jesus. What you're saying and what you're doing, it doesn't line up anything with the teachings of Jesus. Friends, may we never get to the point when we're acting on our own merits or for our own causes so that people can't realize whose we are. This should be really concerning to David. And so he's laughed out of the camp with his men and David and his men head back to Ziklag where they've left their wives and children behind. There's no doubt that David here is feeling defeated. I'm sure his head is cast low. He probably feels the shame of being laughed at by the Philistines. He probably feels that his men are frustrated with him. They're probably questioning his leadership at this point. Certainly he is feeling low as they head back home. And you know what? In this first part of the story, you can see clearly that David has been depending on his own strength. You see, David is relying on himself to keep his family safe, to keep himself safe, to keep his men safe. It's almost as if David thinks that he is in control. Now, David's attitude here is very different from the person that God had chosen to become the next king. Because if there ever was a character in the Bible, like I said, that most often depended on God, that would be David. But we don't see that here, do we? All we see is David depending 
on himself. So I want to pause here for a second. I want to tell you four things we know about David's relationship with God before we go into the next part of this story. The first thing we know about David is David loves God. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 13, David was a man after God's own heart. That's why he was chosen to be the next king. The second thing we know about David is that David spends time with God. One of David's most famous scriptures, his most famous writings in the Psalms is the Lord is my shepherd. You see, throughout the Psalms, we're able to see David's relationship with God. It's almost like reading David's journal as he spends time with God. It's interesting that David would call the Lord his shepherd because David himself is a shepherd. So he knows what that's like to protect and care for and keep his sheep safe. And, and David is saying, God is my shepherd. The third thing we know about David and his relationship with God is that David's relationship with God fuels his life. David spent time with God. He was a shepherd, so he had two options. He could talk with the sheep or he could talk with God. And David chose to talk with God. And every time he spent time with God, every time he spoke with him, every time he, he just was with him in his presence, what was happening, the Bible calls that deep roots. David was creating deep roots. Like a tree, these roots were providing stability for David's life. In Colossians 2, 7, it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. David knew the voice of his shepherd. And so when things got tough in life, David would listen to God. He would go to God. And the fourth thing we know about David's relationship with God is that he cultivated a life of gratitude. You see, as we read through the Psalms, we see David continually remembering and recognizing God's hand in his life. David's eyes were often focused on God and not the situation that was going on down here. In fact, a great example of that is Goliath. All the Israelites were terrified to fight Goliath. But David, the little shepherd boy, was like, I'll fight him. God will be with me. David's eyes were constantly looking at God. David was continually reminding himself who God was. In Psalm 16, verse 7 to 8, David says, I will bless the Lord because he guides me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. And so as David remembers who God is in his life, he starts to cement a narrative in his mind. And it goes something like this. God is faithful. God is for me. God is dependable. I can trust him. God is in control. And so here we have David's relationship with God. We know these things about David. It's hard to believe that this list is about the same guy as the story I just told you about the Philistine king, but they are. And we can learn from David right in this moment because there's a great risk when we choose to switch from depending on God to depending on ourselves. And there are great consequences that come with that that we're about to see in David's life. So back to the story. There's David and, their, and his men and they're walking home. It's been a long journey. It's been about a week at this point at least that they left and they came back. They're coming home worn down, exhausted. I bet they're irritable. And they finally come around the bend to see their home of Ziklag. But they quickly recognize that something is very wrong. You see, when David made that terrible choice to go fight with the Philistine army, he also made another terrible choice. He left the children and the wives at home unguarded. And he was about 
to realize the gravity of the consequences of his decisions. Let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 to 6. It says this, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their, home t- at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. That's where they lived. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the woman and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. You know, if there was ever a reason for David to start feeling defeated, this would be David's moment. See, it's been a hard few years for David. He's been running from King Saul. He's been living in enemy territory. He was laughed away by the Philistines. And now he's returned home to realize that everything has been burnt to the ground and his wife and children and all the wives and children of his men are gone. I think it's safe to say that David might be bordering a little bit on the very definition of burnout, which let's remember, a state in which things have become unmanageable. Things have become very unmanageable at this point for David. But we are about to see what happens with David's relationship with God as he starts to access it and observe how he switches to trust in God and what happens there and how God saves and protects him. Let's continue. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it. Now this is interesting because the priest's role in those days was actually to offer atonement for sins. Um, and so what, when David is saying, bring me the priest, what he's really saying is, I've made some big mistakes. And so David has the priest brought. And then after that, what David says, then David asks of the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? Well, this is interesting because David before, he didn't even go to God. When the king came to him, he just said, yeah, sure, I'll show you what I can do. But in this point, David is going to God. He's seeking wisdom. He's asking for perspective. And then this is what happens. And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. David followed what God had told him to do, and that's exactly what happened. Everything was restored. In the first part of our story, David was running on his own energy, wasn't he? He was completely depending on himself, almost acting as if he was in control. But in this moment, it's like David switches his power source, and all of a sudden he starts to access a strength that doesn't come from him. How do we avoid burnout? Well, we strengthen ourselves. The Bible says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. There's this passage in the Bible, it's so well known. It's in Isaiah 41, verse 31, and it explains what's going on a little bit for us here. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. Now, 
this verse, I remember hearing it as a kid and I, I would think that you need to wait very patiently. Eventually God is going to strengthen up your strength that you'll be able to go on about it again. But that's not at all what's happening here. But this word wait, oh, it's hard for us, isn't it, sometimes? I think that word wait, sometimes we think, we get a picture in our head, something like this. This is my husband. We're on a trip at Disney World with our young children. It's been a long day, as you can tell. This is not the first line that we've waited in. We've probably been in this line for 30 minutes to an hour at this point. It's probably our 10th or 11th line of the day. This is what waiting sometimes looks to us. It's agonizing. I don't want to wait. But the waiting that Isaiah is talking about is much different. He says, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. This idea of waiting, the word is actually quava. It means to wait actively with anticipation. It means to watch for God to act. And all of a sudden, when we understand what, what it's talking about, that we're waiting to see what God is going to do, there's an anticipatory waiting to it. We are excited about it. All of a sudden, that type of waiting looks more like this. This is Skip on our wedding day. He's excited. We are about to get married. He's anticipating that good things are going to happen. This type of waiting, this is what God says when we wait on the Lord. We are waiting to see what God is going to do because we know that it is good. So we know what wait means. What does that word renew mean? So those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. What does that renew mean? Is it just God's going to let me rest and eventually I'm going to gain my strength again? No. Actually, this word renew, it means to get new strength. See, this is a strength that God is going to give to us. It's not from ourselves. It's not strength that comes from me. It's a strength that comes from God. How do I get it? Well, I spend time with God. In the Bible, when it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord, even though his men wanted to stone him, David stopped and he strengthened himself in the Lord. It means that David went to spend time with God. He did what he had done hundreds of times in his life before. He connected to his source of life. He probably recalled all the things that, all the ways that God had provided in the past, how God had prepared him. He probably reminded himself of the narrative. God is in control. God is dependable. God is faithful. I can trust him. And during this time, what happened was David accessed a power that was beyond him, a power that only came from God and wisdom that could only possibly come from God. You see, God's strength is very different than the strength and energy that you and I can generate on our own. And we can do that, can't we? We can generate energy on our own. We can go and spend time with our friends. We can read a book. We can go on vacation. We can quit our jobs. We can send the kids to the grandparents. We can eat healthy. We can exercise. We can get more sleep. And these are all really great things. They will bring benefits to your life. But the problem is that you're not always going to be able to do them. They're temporary. See, I can't always tune out the world and get lost in a book as much as I would love to do that. I can't always jump on a plane and head south. Thanks, COVID. I can't always eat healthy. I can't exercise every single day. We can't quit our jobs or our schooling in a moment. You see, the kind of fuel, the kind of strength that Isaiah is talking about, that David experienced when he strengthened himself and the Lord is the fuel that we we're designed to run on. It's the kind of fuel that prevents burnout. You see, we protect ourselves from burnout by building a life that is dependent on God and routinely 
spending time with him. Now, it won't be perfect. David sure wasn't. You will certainly make mistakes if you go in this direction. David sure did. But a life lived in connection with God, choosing to depend on him, to wait on him, to look at him, to ask him for wisdom, to spend time with him, that is what sustains you through every season, just as it did for David. Now, I want to pause for a second. I want to talk to the people who may be joining us who are going through a season of burnout. If you're going through a season of burnout, this might all sound really, really great, but it might also sound a little bit overwhelming. Today, I want to give you four very simple things that you can do over this week and this next month to help strengthen yourself. The first is this rebuild your narrative. Well, what does this mean? Sometimes we have a narrative going on in our heads, don't we? Actually, all of us do. A narrative that's playing constantly in our heads. It's either telling us, you can do this, you can do this, or it's saying, you can't do this, you're not enough, you don't measure up, you can't do this. But it's always playing in our heads. And usually it is quite negative. Usually it's about ourselves. Usually it's false. It certainly doesn't help us if that's the case, certainly in difficult seasons. But a healthy narrative that plays in our minds is usually focused on a source, which is God. And we can change our narratives by building them on truth. And so I have a couple of suggestions for you. The first is this, that, that passage, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up like wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that. Sometimes I would suggest you just read that scripture over and over until it becomes a part of the narrative in your head. Another great one is Psalms 23, what David wrote. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. It goes on to say that he is with me always, that he protects me, that I don't have to fear. Psalms 23 is another great passage that you can start to read over as you change that narrative in your mind. The third thing is that we're gonna have a prayer card that's gonna be available during this gathering. And at the end of this gathering, we are gonna read a prayer together. And this prayer is built on positive narratives, narratives about God. I just suggest that you read through that over this next week, this next month, to remind yourself who God is, that you can trust him, that he is in control, that you do not need to fear. The second thing you can do if you find yourself in a season of burnout is to move, simply to get outside, even if it's just for a walk. And just take a moment to appreciate the world that God has created. So much of David's relationship with God was spent outside just appreciating the nature around him, all that God had created, being in awe of the creator who made it. And if that's all you can do, if all you can do is get outside and go for a walk, then that is a great way to start to come out of a season of burnout. Just move. The next thing is this, rest. We all know rest is important. Pastor Keith talked about it last week when we talked about the Sabbath. We're humans. We are designed to rest. God is not. God doesn't need to rest. We actually need to rest. And when we skip rest, our perspective can become a little bit skewed. A simple, a simple way to start getting better rest is to simply go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. Yes, even on weekends. Starting to train yourself to get more rest. Another great way is to start a gratitude journal. Simply take two minutes just before you go to bed. Put your phone away. We know that doesn't help us get rest. Put your phone away and write down two things in two minutes that you are grateful for. Start to 
cultivate that life of gratitude that sustained David in his life. And the fourth thing you can do if you're in a season of burnout and you can't find your way out is to ask for help. You see, when we go through difficult seasons, it's impossible to get through them on our own. God has designed us to need him, but also to need each other. And at One Church Geo, we have a fantastic care team. It's led by our care pastor, Pastor Stephen Hitchcock, and his care team, and they are ready and willing and would love to come alongside anybody that is in a season where they need care, whether it's burnout or for something else. And so I just encourage you to reach out. You can go to our website, you can fill out our care form, and our care team and our pastors would love to come alongside of you, whether it's for counseling referrals, whether it's for help, whether it's for someone to pray with, we would love to come alongside of you. Speaking of counseling, counseling is probably one of the most healthy things I have ever done for myself. Counseling is such a healthy thing and finding a Christian counselor who you can meet with regularly to talk about things, even if you're in a healthy season or a not healthy season, is such a great way to ask for help. See, we all have stuff, we all have junk in our lives that we need to deal with and counseling is the perfect place to work through some of those things. The final thing is under this help section, sometimes we need medical help going and talking to our family doctor. You see, God has blessed our world with a medical community and medicine to come alongside of us in seasons where we might feel overwhelmed or burnt out. And I would encourage you, if you find yourself in that season, reach out to your family doctor so that they can start to journey with you. You see, we all need help at some point in life. We were all not meant to do life on our own. Just like my son's car was, cannot produce energy on its own. It needed an outside source to fuel it, to plug in. It needed to be plugged into that source so that it was ready to go for whatever obstacle my son has next for it. And the same is true with our lives. We cannot produce the energy and strength on our own that we need to get through this life. If we do, that little gas gauge will be continually hovering over that empty line. If only David had gone to God and depended on him throughout this whole story, things may have been very different. But David was a human and he wasn't perfect, just like you and me. And this probably is the most encouraging part of the whole story because there was an opportunity for David to switch back to depending on God. And that's exactly what he did. You see, rocks may have been aimed at his head, but David chose to strengthen himself in the Lord, regardless of that mess that was going on all around him, regardless of everything that was going on, David chose to look to God. And I found in seasons in my life where I don't feel like I have the bandwidth or the energy to spend time with Jesus, those are the seasons that I need to spend with him the most. And the encouraging thing then is that each moment becomes a new opportunity for us to switch over to the fuel that God designed us to run on and to choose to depend on him. I thought a great way to end our teaching today would be to do a corporate prayer together, to remind ourselves to start to change that narrative that sometimes plays in our head and start to build it around the truth of who God is. There are people joining us today that I know you're struggling. You may not say that you're burnt out, but you definitely have been attempting to do life on your own and it probably maybe hasn't been working out for you. I'd encourage you today to speak these words of truth over your life, to declare them over your life because this is one of the 
easiest ways that we start to change that narrative and to start to build it on who God is. Now, I know that there's people joining us today who are in a season of burnt out, that you are burned out. And you know what? I am praying for you in this moment. I am praying that you would know deep inside of you that God is dependable, that he's faithful, that he will carry you through this season and he will lead you into a season of health in the future. Even if you find it difficult, I'm going to encourage you to speak these words out loud to us. And if you can't say them out loud, I'm going to pray that the truth of these words would sink deep into your life, that you would remember them this week and this month, and you would start to build your life on who God is, start to turn to him, turn your eyes to him. And finally, you know what? There's people who are joining us today who are in a great season of life. You have probably been nodding along to this teaching. Yep. I've done that. I built my life on God. I'm connected to him. I spend time with him. You probably know the benefit that comes from spending time with God just like David did. If that's you, I am going to encourage you to read these words out with us. You know what? We need your strength today. The Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says this, God comforts us all in our troubles so that we can then comfort others. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. And you know what? There is a strength that comes when we use the strength that God has given to us and we offer it to other people to strengthen them. People start to recognize God in us. They start to recognize his hands in our lives. They start to say there's something different about that person. The way they walk through trials, the way they walk through difficult seasons, there's something different about them. And that's because we have trusted in the Lord. We need to offer our strength to those who are going through those difficult seasons today. Because you never know the person who's standing beside you or the person who lives across the road from you or the person next to you in the cubicle, how much they need to hear words of life spoken over to them. So the prayer is gonna come up on your screen as we close and I'm gonna invite you to join in and pray out loud with me. I'm gonna read the white parts and I'm gonna encourage you to join me and read the yellow parts as we pray this prayer as a declaration of who God is and who we are. Let's pray. God, we wait on you today. You know the best timing and so we will wait for you. God, we trust in you today. You have provided before, and we know that you will do it again. God, we depend on you today because your strength sustains our lives and renews us in every moment. God, we turn to you today. You are always there for me, and I know that you will never leave me. God, we rest in you today. You are in control and we can depend on you. God, our eyes are fixed on you. You are at work in our lives and we can't wait to see what you will do. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live.
We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing, both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.